let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Hundreds of years ago, a king died leaving behind his two sons, Prince Jabu, the older son, and Prince Manla, the younger. Prince Jabu was supposed to be enthroned as the next king, but Prince Manla was jealous and aggressive, and he decided to fight his brother for the throne. So the two brothers gathered armies, and the fateful day of battle approached. Unfortunately for Prince Jabu, on the day of battle, his horse needed new horseshoes. You see, the battleground was a field full of stones. Without the metal shoes on the bottom of the horse's hooves, the horse would not be able to run through the stony field. So Prince Jabu sent his horse to the metal worker, and the metal worker went on with his work. From a bar of iron, he made four horseshoes. These he hammered and shaped and fitted to the horse's feet. Then he began to nail them on. But after he'd nailed on two shoes, he found that he did not have enough nails for the other two. I have only six nails remaining, he said, and it will take a little time to iron out the two more. Oh, well, said the king's servant, won't those six nails be enough? Put three in each shoe. I hear the trumpets now. Prince Jabu will be impatient. Well, three nails in each shoe will be a risk, the smith said, but I think we can try it. So he quickly finished the shoeing, and the king's servant hurried to lead the horse to Prince Jabu. The battle had been raging for some time. Prince Jabu mounted his horse and rode hither and thither, back and forth, cheering for his men and fighting his foes. His enemy, Prince Manla, who wished to be king, was pressing him hard. Far away, at the other side of the field, Prince Jabu saw his men falling back. Without his help, they would soon be beaten, so he spurred his horse to ride to their aid. But Prince Jabu was hardly halfway across the stony field when one of the horse's shoes fell off. The horse was lamed on a rock. Then another shoe came off. The horse stumbled, and Prince Jabu was thrown violently to the ground. Before the prince could rise, his frightened horse had galloped away. Prince Jabu looked and saw that his soldiers were beaten and that the battle everywhere was going against him. He waved his sword and shouted, A horse! A horse! I will give my kingdom for a horse! But there was no horse for him. His soldiers were intent on saving themselves. They could not give him any help. The battle was lost. Prince Jabu was lost. The kingdom was was lost, and Prince Mandla became king. And since that time, people have said, for the lack of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the lack of a shoe, the horse was lost. For the lack of a horse, the battle was lost. For the failure of battle, the kingdom was lost. The kingdom was lost for the lack of a horseshoe nail. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the story of Prince Jabu and the compounding impact of one small act of failure. Small steps lead to big destruction. One small act of neglect will lead you on a path that results in a big loss. It's true on the battlefield, and it's true in our personal lives as well. 
That's the lesson we're going to learn today in our sermon titled 52,800 Steps. We're going to see the root causes of failure in the life of Samson. And by God's grace, we're going to learn how we can prevent that failure in our lives. But before we go on, let us bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask you to come down by the power of your Holy Spirit and speak to us today. Warn us and help us, O oh God. Give us the word that we need, the revelation that we need to turn our lives and head in the right direction. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to steal the seed of the word of God, every spirit that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. I command you to go in the name of Jesus and I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power from heaven to speak to our hearts and change our lives and lead us to victory in Christ our Lord. We thank you by faith, Father, and we ask this in Jesus' name and everybody said amen and amen. I invite you to join your faith with mine right now. Take a moment, put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Truth for Today. It's great to have you with me as we continue our sermon series titled, Samson, A Story of Failure and Redemption. Last week, we began studying the story of Samson, one of the most famous men in the Bible. So let's take a moment right now to review what we learned so far. You might remember that last week, we saw that Samson had a divine destiny and a divine calling on his life. His parents were a childless couple, but before they could conceive, God sent an angel and prophesied to them that they would conceive a son and he would come to deliver God's people and do God's purpose. And God's purpose for Samson was for him to come and save Israel. But as we saw last week, Samson had inner weaknesses that tripped him up. Though he was outwardly very strong, inwardly he was given over to lust and anger and pride. And it took a mighty work of God in his life to bring him to the place where he could humble himself and start to fulfill his God-given destiny. Yet by the grace of God, that's what happened. God worked in Samson's life and he was able to restore him to his destiny. We ended our sermon last week with the words about Samson in a place of leadership. The Bible said in Judges 15:20, Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Now you could easily miss this important statement, yet it's a powerful statement to the faithfulness of God to bring his will to pass in your life. For 20 years, Samson ruled. For 20 years, he lives in God's will and accomplishes God's destiny. But unfortunately, Samson's story doesn't end there. After 20 years of success, there is a tragic failure, a failure so great, it is the one thing that most people remember about Samson. When you read his story of failure, you can only only shake your head in disbelief and wonder at the foolishness of this man. How did it happen? How could a man with so much potential, so much strength, so much God-ordained destiny mess up his life so badly? And even more importantly, we need to ask ourselves today, what can we learn from Samson's failure? Is there any way that you and I can avoid making the same mistakes he made? 
So to do that, we're going to learn today about Samson's 52,800 steps. And to help us learn the truth, we prepared sermon notes. They're available for free on my website and on all my social media platforms. So go ahead and take out your notes and follow along as we discover Samson's three failures from the book of Judges chapter 16. And here's your first truth today. Samson failed to connect his first step with his last step. Our story picks up in Judges 16, 1-2. Now receive the word of the Lord. One day, everybody say one day. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying at dawn we will kill him. So here's the story. Samson has 20 good years of success. 20 years, and then the Bible says one day. Everybody say one day. And here's what that means to us. Samson failed because he failed to connect his one day with his last day. He failed to connect his first step with his last step. You see, Gaza was the headquarters of the Philistines. As these verses tell us, the people in Gaza were enemies of Israel. They wanted to kill Samson. They were his sworn enemies. But the most amazing thing in this story is that no one forced Samson to go to Gaza. No one captured him and made him go there. He went on his own accord. In fact, if you study a map of the land, you'll discover that it is 40 kilometers from Samson's hometown to Gaza. So Samson traveled 40 kilometers by foot to risk 20 years of faithfulness. Who would be so stupid to risk so much for so little? Why would you go to the capital of your enemies to sleep with a prostitute there? Yet if we're honest, we must admit that all over the world today, Men are doing this same thing every single day. Men risk their God-given destiny for a few moments of pleasure in sin. And the reason they do is the same reason Samson did. He failed to connect his first step with his last step. He failed to realize that one step leads to another. For the truth is, if you don't want to to take the last step into disaster, then you should never take the first step that leads you to disaster. See, when you think about it, you realize that Samson's failure did not happen all at once. It was 40 kilometers from his house to the house of the prostitute in Gaza. It would take an average man about 52,800 steps to travel 40 kilometers. So Samson ruined his life in 52,800 steps. And every step he took of the 52,800, he had an opportunity to say, no, wait, let me go back and seek my God. But he just kept going. Samson did not ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. For the fact is small steps lead to big destruction. Most men do not plan on ruining their lives. It happens step by step. Most men don't wake up and think, today I'm going to ruin my finances. I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to waste all my money. But they take one step at a time. First they get into debt. Then they take secret and illegal actions. Then they start breaking contracts. And eventually, after enough wrong steps, they end up in financial ruin. 
Most men do not plan on destroying their marriage all at once. They don't set out to get a divorce and make their children hate them, but they do it one step at a time. First, they look at a young lady at their office, and then they flirt with her, and then they text her, and then they take her out, and then they touch her, and then it leads to an affair. Most men think they will end up avoiding disaster in spite of all the steps they are taking towards disaster. We say to ourselves, well, it's just a look. Well, it's just a hug. Well, it's just a text. I can stop short of disaster. But small steps lead to big disasters. That's why there is never anything sudden about a man's fall. It is a result of a long series of decisions. When a man falls, he's actually been moving on the path to fail for a long time. You may not see it. You may not know it, but his failure is a result of the path he's chosen and the steps he's taken. A marriage does not collapse overnight. It was rotting day by day for years. A business does not go bankrupt overnight. Bad financial decisions were piling up until the company collapses. A government does not fall in a day. It grows weaker and weaker with corruption till it can no longer stand. And often the corruption is hidden. Often no one sees the forces at work to bring the business down. Most of the time, outsiders are unaware of the hidden tension in a marriage until it ends. It comes as a shock. What? But the causes are there, hidden beneath the surface, ultimately leading to a predictable end. And each step in that direction brings you closer to the destination that that road reaches. That's why Proverbs 27, 12 tells us, the wise see danger ahead and avoid it. But fools keep going and get into trouble. If Samson had been wise, he would have seen the danger and turned back. But as a fool, he kept going for 52,800 steps into the arms of a prostitute. So let me ask you today, are you wise or foolish? Are you looking ahead down the road? Do you see trouble and danger? Do you see where your steps are taking you? Are you working to avoid disaster? For the fact is you will never end up in disaster if you never take the first step towards it. Several years ago, I heard the tragic story of a man who was sent to prison because he raped a young schoolgirl. The crime shocked the community in which the man lived, for in all outward ways, he didn't seem to be the type of man who would assault a young girl. But when the man was asked how such a crime could happen, he gave the secret of his downfall. You see, the man was a construction worker. He was part of a great building project, a team of workers that were building a giant building. And this building site was along the path where the children would pass to go to school. So as the man was at construction site every day, he would watch this young girl go by, and he started allowing his thoughts to think of what he wanted to do with her. He saw her going the next day, and his thoughts got more more delicate and more definite. He saw her the next day and his thoughts began to build and build and build until he had built such a thing in his mind uh, that he took action. He promised her with money and lured her to his house. And though he never started with the intention of raping her, one step led to another and he raped the young girl. And that's what happened to Samson. 52,000 800 steps meant he had 52,800 chances to say no and turn back. But he ended up in disaster because he kept walking towards it. 
That's why Proverbs 4, 25 and 27 tells us, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Do you hear what God is telling you in Proverbs today? It says the most important key is not your effort. It's not your intention. It's not how fast you go. It's not anything other than to make sure you are on the safe path. For you see, the road you choose determines where you will end up. Not your intention, not your desire, not your gifting or your calling. All the planning, preparation, and purpose will not change your destination. The only thing that determines your destination is the road you're on and the direction you're headed. That's why at Agape we say the road leads where the road leads. And what does that mean? The road you on will determine the destination you arrive at. You will always end your journey where the road leads. And just as a geographical road leads to a set geographical destination, so the path you are on now in every area of your life leads to a set predetermined location. The financial path you are on today leads to a set predetermined financial destination. The spiritual path you are on today leads to a set predetermined spiritual destination. The romantic path you're on today will lead you to a set predictable definite romantic destination. There are predictable results from predictable roads emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. Follow the road of poor diet and you will end up with poor health. It's not a mystery. It's not a curse from the devil. It was your own choices. Follow the road of unprotected sex and you will end up with a sexually transmitted disease. So what path are you on right now? If we're honest right now, some of us would have to admit we're on the road to disaster. You've started down a path to immorality. You've started down a path to bitterness and strife. You've started down a path to divorce. You've started down a path and you think, I can escape. And the problem is we think we can follow the path of our desires, but somehow end up at a destination other than disaster. We think we can walk on the path of lust, but somehow avoid the punishment of immorality. We think we can walk on the path of dishonesty, but somehow reach a destination of success. But Proverbs 10.9 says, people with integrity have firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. And if you start down the wrong path, you will slip and fall. Slip and fall is exactly what Samson did. His steps led him to his first failure, and his first failure led to his second. His second failure was this. Samson failed to connect his position with his condition. Listen to how his story continues in Judges 16, 3 and 4. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. So here's what the Bible is telling us. Samson's second failure came because he failed to connect his position with his condition. In other words, he said to himself, well, 
What I've done with the prostitute doesn't affect my condition at all. I can get up and go on. I have a call from God. I have an anointing from God. I have strength from God. So I can go anywhere and do anything. I can live any way I like. As long as I get up and show my strength, God will come through for me. Samson was lying in the arms of a prostitute, yet he got up and acted as if nothing had happened. He wiped his face and went on doing his work. He was in bed with a whore. Then he got up and acted like, I can defeat the enemy as before. He thought it would not weaken his condition, but he was wrong. For Proverbs 6, 27 and 28 says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? And sadly, many of us live today just like Samson. We fail to connect our position with our condition. We behave just like he did. We think, well, as long as I'm praying and going to church, it doesn't matter how I behave. I I can give my offering and pay my tithe, and whatever sins I've committed, God will overlook them. Listen, friends, paying tithe and giving offerings is not a bribe to God to forgive your sin. No amount of money you can give can wipe away your sins. You may be able to pay a bribe at the government office and get the file you wanted. You may be able to go into police and pay a bribe and get them to release your friend. But it doesn't work with God. You cannot buy his blessings. I believe that when we give and pay our tithe, God promises to bless us. But there is nowhere in the entire Bible from the beginning to end that says that when you pay your tithe or when you give an offering, you can receive forgiveness of sins. It's not in the Bible. We think, well, let me fast and pray. Let me go to church twice a week or three times, and it will cover what I did last Sunday night at the nightclub. But no amount of anointing can change the fact that you're sleeping with your girlfriend. No amount of anointing or praying can change the fact that you're watching pornography online. No amount of anointing can change the fact that you're dishonest and you're stealing. We have fallen so far from New Testament Christianity. If the apostles in the book of Acts saw our churches today, they would not recognize Christianity in us. We've disconnected our beliefs from our lifestyles. We think it doesn't matter how we live, just as long as we perform certain charismatic rituals. But do not be deceived. Your position affects your condition. You cannot sleep in the arms of a prostitute and get up and go free. You cannot watch pornography and get up and go free. You cannot steal from your boss and get up and go free. God is requiring a people who live a holy life. He's calling forth a remnant of those who will serve him in purity and purpose. So hear the word of the Lord to you today. The glory of God is moving on and a lot of churches and a lot of Christians and a lot of prophets and a lot of pastors are going to be left behind in the end time revival. They're going to be left behind in the end time move of God for the days of speaking in tongues and living like Satan are over. God is purifying his church and judgment is about to begin in the house of God. 
Already the Lord is preparing to purge his house. Already the Lord is working to root out sin. It's time to get holy and come clean. It's time to put aside the immorality and the cheating, the lying, the stealing, the false prophecies, the gossip, the bitterness and hatred. Samson was in a wrong position and it led to a disastrous condition. So do not go where you shouldn't go. Don't associate with people you shouldn't associate. If you don't want to fornicate, then never be alone in the room with a woman. You'll never end up in disaster if you don't go where disaster strikes. You'll never end up backslidden if you don't go where backsliders go. You'll never end up in hell if you don't follow sinners. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 12 tells us, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. This was Samson's problem. He thought to himself, I can handle it. I'm a man of God. I can sleep with a prostitute and get up and defeat the devil. But listen to what happened. He ended up with Delilah. Had he never gone to Gaza, he would not have slept with the prostitute. Had he not slept with the prostitute, he would not have taunted the enemy. Had he never been in Gaza taunting the enemy, he would never have met Delilah. Had he never met Delilah, he would not have fallen into ruin. That's why you can't play with sin. You can't make any room for the enemy because he comes and creeps in bit by bit. You have to be on guard. Once there was a very sly and crafty fox who was very, very hungry. He was searching for food and he was walking down the path looking for something to eat. When he came to a lake where there were ducks, fat, healthy, delicious ducks were swimming and playing, the fox wanted those ducks. But he knew that if he tried to capture them, they would fly away or swim away and he would end up empty-handed. So he devised a plan to get close to them step by step without raising any alarm. For the first few days, the fox just stayed on the side of the lake. When the ducks first saw him, they were alarmed. They were quacking and flapping their wings. Go away, go away. They said, oh, I'm just here to enjoy the beautiful lake and scenery. Don't mind me. I won't trouble you. And so day by day, as he kept quiet on the shoreline, the ducks became used to him, and they went back to their normal routine. Then after a few days, the fox got a canoe, and he paddled the canoe out into the lake. The ducks were uncomfortable and said, what are you doing? Get away from us. But the fox said, oh, I'm just taking a little boat tour on the lake. Don't mind me. We can all share this big lake together. I don't want to harm you. And so eventually the ducks calmed down. Day by day, the fox paddled the canoe closer and closer. And eventually the ducks became used to the fox in the canoe and they lived as if nothing was wrong. They paid him no attention. The ducks became relaxed towards the fox in his canoe. They swam near to him and thought nothing of it. Then one day when a duck swam very close to the canoe, the fox engaged the duck in conversation. Oh, what a fine coat of feathers you have. Why don't you come up into my canoe and dry yourself off and we can chat? And so the duck, seeming to think there was no harm, got up into the canoe. And when he was hidden from view of the other ducks, the fox strangled him so he couldn't make a sound, killed him, and ate him. And so it was, one by one, Day by day, that's how the fox captured and ate every single duck on the lake. 
And that's how Satan tricks you and me. He lures us little by little. We get used to sin, and what used to shock us, we begin to accept it. We started to turn away, but now we stay, and then we watch, and then we participate. What one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. The type of dressing in church today would have made a prostitute embarrassed 20 years ago. But today, we flaunt more flesh than fabric. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The attitude of the young people in our church today would have made an unbeliever ashamed 20 years ago. But today, we've gone to acceptance, to participation. But Romans 13, 14 commands us, let us be Christ's men from head to foot and give no chance to the flesh to have its fling. The New King James Version says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Make no provision for the flesh because if you do, you will get the consequences of the flesh. And that's our third truth about Samson's failure. Samson failed to connect his actions with the consequences. Samson started hanging out with Delilah. He'd done it before, nothing happened, so he thought he could go free. He's failed to connect his first step with his last step. He's failed to connect his position with his condition, and he just keeps sinking deeper and deeper into sin. He didn't know that the trap had been laid. For you see, the Bible tells us that the Philistines' lord, lords came to Delilah. They bribed her. They said, find out the source of this man's strength. We will give you a lot of money. So when he went to sleep with her, day after day, she nagged him. Oh, what is the source of your strength? Oh, my fine man, I love you. Tell me where your strength comes from. And Judges 16, 17 says, finally, he gave in. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And suddenly, Samson has surrendered the secret of his source of strength to his enemy. He's made his final failure. He's failed to connect his actions with the consequences. And the consequences came swiftly and terribly for Samson. Delilah put him to sleep on her lap and then called the barber to shave his head. Judges 16, 20 and 21 says, Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson woke up. His hair was gone, but he said, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Aye. And the Philistines seized him gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. And I think one of the most tragic statements in Samson's story is this. I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He did not know that the Lord had left him. He thought sin would not affect him. He thought he could get away with it. He thought he could disobey and not pay any price. Maybe you think that. But hear what God says in Galatians chapter 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap 
eternal life. Friend, you cannot play with God. The Bible tells us that if you keep on sinning and think it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, you are mocking the Almighty. But God will not be mocked. The very thing you pretend won't hurt you is the very thing you will reap when you sow to sin. Why does this passage in Galatians say, do not be deceived? Why does he put that in there? Because this is one of the major deceptions in the church today. Men say, you can sin and escape. It doesn't mean. Churches will tell you that you can sin and escape. It doesn't mean. But I'm here to tell you, it means. It means something. It means destruction. For Ephesians 5, 6 says, do not be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him and if you believe God's word and you believe in God you must tremble at that verse because God's judgment will fall on everyone who's disobedient whether you're a prophet a pastor an apostle or an anointed man of God if you disobey and live in sin you will suffer the judgment of God some men think well when I get to heaven I will just beg Jesus and pacha and pacha it's okay Jesus just let me go just forgive me but listen to the words of Jesus himself in Luke 13 3 Jesus said not me Jesus Jesus said you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God Friend, I know that God is merciful. I know that he's gracious. But we must not take the grace of God for granted. We must not take God's grace as a license to sin. It's a mandate for holiness. And if you frustrate the grace of God, if you keep on sinning as if there's no judgment and no heaven or hell, then the Bible is clear. God will chasten you to bring you to repentance. The problem for Samson is the problem for many of us in the church today. He failed to connect his actions with the consequences. There were so many times he sinned and seemingly escaped. He had three different Philistine women. He had three women forbidden by God. He has immorality with them. The first two did not ruin him. He had a woman in Timnah and nothing happened. He slept with a prostitute in Gaza and nothing happened. He kept his strength. But mark my words, you may escape once, you may escape twice, but a day of reckoning is coming. And sometimes you commit a sin and seemingly escape the consequences. Sometimes the enemy will let you go. He will walk away and you will think, oh, I got, I got off. Nothing's wrong. I'm okay. But do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. The devil is simply setting you up for a bigger disaster. Because if you don't repent, you'll go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until it's too late. You may have gotten away with other sins, but one day it will catch you. See, here's the fact we need to embrace. Every action has a reaction. Every step leads down a path. Every choice has consequences, every single one. There's no choice, no decision, no act, no good deed, no sin, no decision that does not have a consequence. And the Bible tells us what those consequences are. 
That's why sin is so dangerous. Every act of sin brings damage. It's not just one act. They're always immediate damaging results. Sin blinds us. And every time you give in to temptation, it becomes harder to resist the next time. Every time you yield to sin, it binds you and blinds you, and you have a harder time breaking free. The miraculous power of God is not a license for you to sin. The prophetic anointing on your life is not a license for you to live however you want and then come to church and think God will bless me. God gives miraculous deliverance when we are moving in the right direction. God parted the Red Sea when the children of Israel were going out of the land of bondage, not the other way around. And God sent me today to call you back to him. He told me to tell you that the reason you're in trouble is because you failed to connect your first step with your last step. You failed to connect your position with your condition. You failed to connect your actions with your consequences. You've gone astray and you're in trouble and the solution now is only one, to turn and cry out to God and start moving in the right direction. This is the moment of truth. Where are you stepping away from God right now? Where are you walking out of God's will? Where are you going today that you know will lead you down the wrong path? On your sermon notes, there's a question. Where are you stepping away from God? I want to urge you today, take time today, take time this week to write down in prayerful consideration, where am I stepping away from God? Is it a thought? Is it something I'm watching on TV? Where are you stepping away from God? It may be on the internet. You started innocently watching. A friend of yours sent you a link. You were ashamed and embarrassed. You thought, is this on the internet? But you enjoyed it and you watched again and again. And one link led to another. You're stepping away from God. So stop. Turn around. Stop watching pornography online. At first you were shocked and you felt guilty but now you've gotten used to it. You're addicted. You can't stop. Or maybe you're in a relationship you know is wrong. It started with a look, a smile, a text, a flirt. You texted her, she texted back, and now you're caught in a relationship with someone who's not your wife. She will never be your wife. She's a toy, a plaything, and you think, well, I can stop any time, but you don't. You keep going. But the fact is, you don't end it. You don't want to. And the power of that relationship is leading you to destruction. Or maybe you're in a business deal, and you were asked to do something a little bit illegal and you didn't want to offend you didn't want to shut down the deal so you went along but now you're trapped in a situation that is dangerous it's against God's will you're making a lot of money but if you get caught you will be embarrassed you will be humiliated you might even go to prison and if you're stepping away from God right now in sex in business in any area of your life turn around God is there for you to bring you back if you will only turn around See, that's the promise. Even in Samson's failure, there's a message of hope. For the Bible says in Judges 16, 22, after he was imprisoned, after his eyes were pulled out, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. So even when he's in bondage, Samson's long hair, the symbol of his strength, the symbol of his devotion to God, it began to grow back. And God's grace is evident in his life that his hair began to come back. It was God saying, that which gives you strength will grow again. And I say to you today, just because you're down, it does not mean you're out. So here's the 
truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Satan loves to make strong men weak, but God loves to make weak men strong. And God is going to make you strong. He's going to deliver you from bondage. The hair on your head is growing back because the grace of God is coming back to you today. Get on the righteous path and let God turn your weakness into strength. Let God revive you. Let God resurrect you. Let God restore you. Let God bring you back to your destiny. Connect your first step with your last step. Connect your condition with your position. Connect, oh God, your actions with your consequences. Turn to God. If you've taken 52,799 steps away from God, it's not too late. Turn and begin to walk back to Jesus. For his grace is here to restore and revive you. Father, in the name of Jesus, move by the power of your Holy Spirit in your people today. I ask you to convict us, Lord. Open our eyes to see how our first step always leads to our last step. Help us to see that our position affects our condition. Help us to see, Lord, that our actions directly relate to the consequences. Give us godly repentance. Give us more than sorrow. Give us a determination in our heart to turn to you. Lord, if we've taken steps away, if we're walking away from your will right now, stop us and help us to turn back. Let the hair on our head grow again. Let the grace of God come upon us again. Let your spirit come. Forgive us, cleanse us, and bring us back to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.